Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. So greetings and welcome once again to our BizTech Podcast series brought to you by your CompTIA Business of Technology communities globally all around the world. My name is Gary Bixler and I'm excited again to be your host this week for a new podcast around a topic that we think is really, really critical in the business of technology. Each of these podcasts will always be brought to you by one of our unique CompTIA member communities from around the world. And if you're not already involved in one of those communities, we'd love to have you. So to find out more about CompTIA communities and to join up, please visit us at our website at comptia.org. So for this week, we are excited to bring you part two of a podcast that we recorded earlier. And the last time that we spoke uh, to Miles Jobgen, who is the leader and manager of our IT security community, uh, he introduced the first part of this podcast. He also told us a little bit about his uh, musical upbringing and background. So I want to welcome back in Miles. Miles, welcome. Hi, Gary. I feel like I live here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We've got to stop meeting like this. No, it's, it's actually fun. And I'm, I've been meaning to ask you and wanting to ask you because you uh, told your story about kind of your, your musical journey, if you will, that kind of got rekindled in college with the harmonica and now has continued with you challenging yourself to learn piano here during quarantine. And that got me thinking, I, I know you've told me in the past that, that you enjoy getting together with a group of people and kind of playing in a, a band, if you will. And in quarantine, that becomes challenging, I'm assuming. So how have you kind of met that need or that desire to actually get together and play with other people and maybe even perform, you know, under the kind of the quarantine situation? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I am definitely the, the, the suburban dad band guy. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been something that we've done for a real long time. And, uh, but you're right. Um, when, when we got the, the notice, so I think we snuck one in right at the end. Like I think like on that Friday, March 17th or something, we're like, all right, well, they're closing things down. We better get in this right now. Right. And so that was, you know, normally I've got a jam room here in my, in my uh, house. And, um, you know, after that, we're like, wait a minute, we're all standing in like this 12 by 14 room screaming and spitting on each other. <laughs> like, this probably isn't a good idea. So, um, you know, so we backed off a while and it was really, really hard. Um, we didn't get together for a, quite a few months. Um, and when, then we ended up just saying, you know what, we got to do something. And so we got outside. Um, and so a few of us started that and then we're like, hey, this we could maybe do this. And so then the next week um, we went and visited a friend of ours. He's a, an older guy. He's got an apartment on the first floor. Right. And it opens up into their courtyard. And so we set up outside um, on his little patio and started playing music and you know, I think there was four of us playing and, and, you know, after about a couple of hours, we kind of look around and there's people on the, on the patios and on their porches and we're getting, you know, calls and stuff. So it was, it was really a lot of fun. And it, it like just, oh my gosh, it was like that first cup of coffee, right? It just filled such a need. It was, uh, it was really, really fun. That's outstanding. Yeah, you've started a new uh, neighborhood concert series now. You may not be able to stop this. this I know, right? <laughs> My neighbor, the guy who lives there, has had some of his neighbors come by. He's like, when are you guys going to play again? So, you know, we <laughs> might have to do that for sure. 
yeah, new spring summer tradition for, for you guys. Well, that's great. Well, you know, I'm sitting here in Austin, Texas right now, you know, self-proclaimed live music capital of the world. So lots of live music and musicians and bands here in Austin that obviously have been suffering from the same fate that all of us have and, you know, not able to play at their usual venues. So they've been very creative in finding ways to kind of get out and get in front of their fans. And of course, there's a lot of virtual kind of Zoom concerts and those things. But even uh, my son reported back, he went and rented a kayak and on the lake that runs through, actually a river that runs through the middle of Austin. Everybody's out there doing the stand-up paddle boards and the kayaks and whatever. And there's a trail that runs all the way around that river on both sides. And there are musicians or, you know, guitar players and singers that have set up on that trail singing and serenading the people oh. that are, you know, paddling by with kayaks or whatever. And I thought that's a pretty creative way to ensure the social distance, but still get your music heard. So that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> it's a testament to the creativity of, of musicians. Well, you know, so, if, they, if they're not working otherwise, you know, <laughs> what else are you going to do, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, to keep us all working and working safely, uh, this you know, notion of IT security has become you know, ever more critical uh, in this current environment. And that's the topic of this podcast, little two-part podcast that we're in the middle of now. And in the, uh, the first part, we talked a little bit about kind of you know, where we're at in terms of knowledge gaps and those uh, you know, kind of moving beyond the basics. And you know, I think in the second half, we're going to move into a little more of kind of the harsh realities of some of this transition and how do we look at this as we you know, try to go forward now and how do we kind of close some of these gaps and, and find ways to you know, operate effectively and efficiently uh, in the future that's ahead of us. So tell us a little bit about how you, you saw the second half of this. You know, what I, what, one of the things I really enjoyed about the second half in particular was uh, our, some of the guys on the panel started, you know, laying down some harsh truths, like you said. It's like, if you're not doing this, it's wrong, you know? So it was good to hear that, look, man, there's, there are critical things that have to be in place, you know, regardless if you consider yourself a security practitioner or not, right? It's, you have this responsibility now, um, and that's growing as, as you know, we're, we're going to sneak peek into ChannelCon a little bit too about MSP legislation and stuff. But there is this concern around, you know, how is this data, which has all been evaluated as being very critical to our infrastructure and to who we are and privacy and all of that kind of stuff. How's it being managed uh, by the people who are managing it, right? So right. do they know what they need to know? And is that, you know, is that difference significant enough to just be like, hey, you know, you know don't touch the hot stove if you don't know how to do it, right? So yeah. maybe you do need to bring in um, some partners. And so we, we got into a nice conversation around, um, you know, how to align for partners, what to look for, you know, how to protect yourself from, you know, maybe uh, selecting a partner who then maybe scoops your client, right? You don't want that kind of stuff to happen. So um, we get into some of those things. And then as well as, you know, what are some of the just these basic tools? Like if you are not familiar with um, what your solution stack should have in regards to security, you're going to get some great answers around that, around these are the basic things, you know, you better have these things. Um, and then you can lean into that other end. Like one of our guests, Robert Bowles always says, 99% secure is 100% insecure. So, um, you know, where do you want to play in security? And that is, this, this conversation is all around trying to help uh, you know, an IT service provider think about security and how do they want to play in it? Because it, it is, a, it's an expensive proposition to get into. Um, it could be very rewarding, of course, 
But if you don't want to, you know, have that skill set, or if you don't want to hire somebody who has that skill set, you're going to have to deal with it somehow. And so that's kind of, you know, what we'd like to, to, to present out there in this podcast. Excellent. Well, yeah, it sounds like um, such a, an important topic and the partnership piece in, in particular is one that we always try to kind of foster and encourage at CompTIA. You don't have to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a really important part of the message. So with that, let's don't delay any further. And Miles, why don't you take us into uh, part two? Sure. So again, this was uh, from our June 24th virtual community meeting. Um, happy to reintroduce our moderator, Mark Geary. And uh, welcome to the second half. So what I see to some extent is we still have to have protection, right? You, you've got to stay resilient to some extent, two-factor, et cetera, et cetera. That protects you. Um, you should have some kind of awareness and visibility, right, as to what's going on in your environment. Um, lastly, let's talk about data for a second. I would propose that most people in, the, in a company don't know where all their data is, right? So, so um, um, Robert, do you guys do any, and, and Kevin, from a customer perspective, do you guys do any data assessment? Do you guys do any data understanding to do because, I mean, if you think about it, how many dupli- duplicative um, Excel spreadsheets are out there? How much customer data is in the wild? How much IP is circulating, right? How do we know where it is, right? So we've got this protective side, which is protecting our company being up, available, and ready for work, as it were, right? And then we have this data mystique, so data management and data control. And then the last side, which is, I think, that, that um, visibility and awareness, where you're spending your time to track down what may or may not be going wrong in your organization or how data is being expelled, et cetera. So those three things, you could put a lot of technologies in those buckets. You could put a lot of services in those buckets. Um, if you can give our, our listeners maybe a way Understanding, Robert, what you guys do in that way. <laughs> Without giving a secret sauce, obviously. <laughs> wow, Mark. I, I was like, okay, three questions. Am I, keep, am I tracking with them to get all three of these? Oh, okay. you're a smart guy. You got this. Yeah, no worries. So we don't get into the actual what data is where, right? Like if you had to with your uh, – GDPR or, you know, the new California Act of understanding where it's at, who has access, and those things. We, we, when we get those requests from partners or clients, we just bring in a specialized resource. What we do is we provide really advanced services in two places, on the endpoint and, again, at the edge or the whatever the new edge is. Now, why is that? When you start talking about where data is, to me, it's interesting well how can it be accessed so you know we really advocate a philosophy of total visibility reduce the attack surface stop known threats prevent unknown threats and automation with human validation when you have the conversation around total visibility that's being aware of all the applications that are present in your environment and when we assist our partners doing their you know, initial security assessment with the clients, we'll, we'll basically run a inventory or an assessment that'll catalog the entire environment. And so where it's applicable here is 
when we prepare the MSP for that conversation, it's like, okay, Mr. Customer, you have G Drive, OneDrive, ShareDrive, you know, eight different collaboration tools. And is there any oversight or any clarity on what data is leaving the business via these collaboration tools? And they're at, we're yet to come across an instance where it is. So that's an example. Another example is remote access tools. Right, there's log me in, screen connect, go to my PC, all these, you know, different tools. And are they sanctioned? Are they not sanctioned? And so where we focus and help our partners is is in driving that visibility to be able to uncover what's actually present in the environment so they can have the conversation around access, who has access and so forth. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Kevin, you want to add to that? Um, you know, we're, we're coming to a world of, you know, trust nothing. And then, and then as we go through these assessments and audits, it's, it's extremely time consuming. So the longer you've been, been in business uh, as an IT or an MSP firm, you have a lot more things to go through. The more staff that you have, you have a lot more things to validate. So, you know, just to resonate what Robert's saying, it's, um, it's, it does take a lot of work to, to get to that point. Yeah, and Mark, yeah. Mark, let me add to that, because yeah. when you when you talk about total visibility, it's not just the applications or even the data in the environment, but what machines are present, what machines are sanctioned, what users are sanctioned, what what's the activity, you know, having total visibility there, because I think I just read last week that the average, uh, let's just say, bad guy exists on a network for 271 days or something like that before they're actually purged, uh, you know, or detected and, and therefore purged. And so when you think of the damage that a bad actor can have with, you know, three quarters of a year of presence on a network, that's really the driver of visibility, right? So, Absolutely. And I, I think to add to that, really, what do they want is, one, they want to take on your company and not let you work easily enough. And then two would be they want to exfil something from your environment, right? So uh, this is, I, I've been working with a couple of firms in the data management lifecycle world where uh, it, it's interesting that we can take, yes, there's protection and visibility, but we can take best bang for the security buck and kind of drive it down to know where the data is, know what the data is, and then how do we allow the data to move within your environment in a protected and controlled fashion. Um, I'm working with a startup uh, from a consulting perspective that these guys are doing really cool things around you can send your data off and it's in a container and nobody can access the container unless you give them access to it. It's geolocated. I can set it for, you know, between, Vince, you can open it between one and four in the U.S. only on Saturday and then it does. Right, um, and it's got data rates management, blah blah blah. So really cool things that I'm seeing out in the market, where people are trying, I think, trying to get back down to that what matters most and how to protect what matters most. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Um, I think we're we got about another ten minutes or so, and I think everybody that's listening today, I think, would want to know a little more on um, if you're an MSP. How do I move into the security business, become an MSSP, and what are maybe the steps and the phases along that? Um, if I'm a customer listening, 
you know, how do, how do I engage with an MSP? What am I looking for with an MSP from a security perspective? Um, so if you guys feel free, anybody who wants to start off, talk about this, this whole world of us MSPs and MSSPs or becoming more secure in the security environment to take advantage candidly of the billions and billions of dollars in the security market. So I, I'm happy to uh, kick that off. Um, as a IT provider, um, you have to you have to put money aside and budget and invest um, because it's truly an investment to make sure that obviously you you go through your audits and assessments and your best practice to make sure your your IT engineering team is following it, following the best secure practices. Um, it could be uh, could be a lot of money and and um, and a long road because you have to button down your processes. You have to hire the right professionals. You almost have to, you know, open a, another business in essence, start a new practice if you don't have internal security professionals or a CISO on staff. That's truly the right way to do it. And if you're not willing to make the investment as an IT uh, company, um, then simply partner. Um, find the best. Um, MSSP that is is able um, to assist and provide solutions um, and be a true advocate for your clients and and that's how I that's how I look at it. Yeah, for me, I, you know, I think it depends on your customer base. If you're working with a lot of small uh, and medium sized companies that don't have big budgets, and you're looking at you know customer payments between fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred a month. Bolting on security is going to be really hard because you, it, it's really hard to tell your customer, I've been doing all of your IT for $2,500 a month, but to secure it, it's going to be an extra $5,000 a month, right? That just makes you look bad. It, it, it's a hard discussion with the customer. Um, if you have customers that are larger, then I think, you know, I've heard two approaches that are really good. You have to make a business decision. Do you build a new practice around this or do you find a power partner that, that you can bring in and work with? And I think that's a that's a clear business decision. What what I would say is, getting started in security should not be overwhelming. And I, and I, I would start with a couple of basics. One is if you think about this idea of what gets measured gets done, and this idea of the checklist manifesto, um, which is a great book, um, you need to start with a framework. And and I you know what, there are a bunch of different frameworks out there you can pick. You can look at the NIST cybersecurity framework. You can look at all these others, and I don't really care which one you pick. What I care is that you're picking something to baseline your program off of, even if it's the SANS top 20 control, right? Just picking something to say, this is how we're gonna start to think about security. And we're gonna start to do pieces of each. And you can get started to say, you know, if you use an RMM tool, do you have two-factor authentication available and, and do you require it? And if you don't have two-factor authentication available in your RMM tool, get a different one. Um, if it's available and you're not using it, you're wrong, right? Think about things like email. Are you doing, do you have advanced protection around your email system, around what you're delivering to your customers? So I think there are a lot of bite-sized ways to start at this, to increase the security a little bit, and then to think about your customers in terms of those that can spend more because they have more value to protect. Do you do that internally or do you partner? And, and that makes total sense, Vince. Uh, again, if you have clients that have a compliance or regulatory requirement, it makes it easier to build it, you know, build it. However, to Vince's point, if they're spending two thousand a month on um, IT services, then you ask them for four thousand a month on security services. It's a hard conversation to have. 
So and a preview um, here at ChannelCon, we're going to have a session on the cybersecurity capability maturity model. The DoD is rolling out in NIST 800-171. So if you have customers that are focused on DoD work, uh, you need to be thinking about those things. So tune in for ChannelCon. Well, one one quick thing. Uh, that conversation is tough with clients, right? And a lot of MSPs have commented like, okay, we have this line item in our monthly with this client that says security, but now we have to go back and have the conversation, which innately says, well, what security are you charging me for if it's already here? It is a tough conversation, but let's just put it into real terms. Um, the things that used to work no longer work. That's just, that's just the reality of it. And if you want to make it real, you know, I think it was Coveware that has been tracking the average ransom. And I want to say in like the fourth quarter of 2018, the average ransomware was like $6,700. Um, it has more or less almost doubled every quarter since then to the point of Q1 of 2020, the average ransom was 112,000. So when you're having that conversation with a client, it's like, okay, I can take the ostrich mode and stick my head in the sand and pretend like, hey, everything's okay and you've been paying this much forever and it's fine, but you're gonna pay either way. You're either gonna pay in being proactive and protecting your assets and your business, or you're gonna pay with the uncertainty of, are my backups gonna work? How long are we going to be down? You know, and we won't even get into the statistics around how many businesses don't come back after these events. Uh, on the subject of security, and if you're an MSP looking to get started, I think the first place you start is internally with your own processes. You're going to, I mean, you're in business, right? You're going to have things you're good at. So identify those things like, are we impeccable in our patch management? Are we impeccable in our 2FA? Are we impeccable in the low-hanging fruit? And then partner or build a security practice. Now, it's well-documented and everyone here can attest. It's, it's not just something you say, hey, I'm going to do security. The talent is more expensive. The tools are more expensive to maintain. You know, everything that you deal with on that, just exponentially, you know, factor it. But here's the thing I caution against. If you have the same individual or you are the same individual responsible for help desk and security, and I think this came up earlier on this call, which way is that pendulum going to swing? Help desk, their purpose is to help the client, get them back to work, get them productive. Security, they're not going to be lenient. Those folks are going to want to justify every action because they're going to be measuring consequence. So if you have the same individual doing both of these functions, they can't win because it's opposable outcomes. So having some kind of segmentation, even in your security delivery, uh, strongly advocated. Yeah, and for uh, to add on to that, for corporations that are more small to midsize, I mean, if you don't have a CISO on staff today, which... You know, if you're not a, a Fortune 100 or a large company, then you're still caught in the middle of should I build it or should I partner um, or outsource it? Um, and a lot of companies, mid-sized companies, try to build it internal and then stress out their IT engineering staff that is not <laughs> capable 
Um, they don't have any more hours in their day, and they're not groomed to that practice. So, you know, I always encourage outsourcing security for that for that apparent reason, and having that that non-biased third-party oversight. Um, as opposed to having one of the C-levels come to you and say, hey, can you have, you know, can you brush this under the rug? I have to go, some, I have to do something against security, best security practices to, for a client. You, you know, you always have to follow good security practices. You're on mute, Mark. Sorry about that. They muted me. I was going to say the, the couple of things. One is typically it's the CEO that comes to the security guys or the IT guys and say, hey, I need to go do this, so you three better not be doing that. That's number one. Number two, I think you had mentioned about talking about security with customers and, and how do you say as an MSP, I've been doing this for you, but now I'm going to do that for you. I think the other conversation there is security has evolved, right? What you were doing, someone mentioned earlier, what were you doing in the past is not what you need to do in the future more bad actors, more ways to get into your environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So really there's an evolution of that service that you can talk about. Um, let's have another tough conversation before we wrap it up here. Um, and that tough conversation is if I'm an MSP and I'm going to go partner with, with an MSSP or somebody that's providing security operations behind me, I'm paranoid that you're going to steal my customers. You're going to go direct. Talk to me about that. How does the MSP deal with that? Well, I'll, I'll take that first. Uh, that's why we went channel only, right? Because there's a lot of layers to this conversation, but when you're partnering, I really believe that the most important thing is that you as a company are clear on your core values. You're clear on who you are. You're clear on why it matters, what you're doing. What is your company about? Because part of your partner selection is finding a provider that their core values best align with yours. And the most aligned that you find yourself, your partner, and your clients, the happiest everyone's going to be. Uh, that's just been my experience. Now, in terms of stealing clients, I've heard stories of that. And I thought it was really just one of the lowest life forms, if you will. Uh, I, I mean, I'll just be candid about it. And so we went channel only because we wanted to remove the uncertainty of that very thing. And by being clear in our intentions and clear in our deliverables and then honoring that, um, that's where we went. Now, full disclosure, I've worked with Fortune 50 OEMs who have done that exact thing. Oh, absolutely. So, so it's, you know, and it's unbelievable when it happens. It's never going to be fully eliminated. But I think in your partner selection, if you find a partner that aligns with your values, whatever they are, uh, that's how you best protect against that. I think to add to that, um, I think it's two years ago now where I was speaking at a comp I think it was ChannelCon. And one fellow got up and raised his hand. He said, yeah, yeah, I understand. I want a partner. But then what's my value? And why don't they just go direct? And what, what I think a lot of MSPs don't quite understand is that they are part of the incident response process. And I think if you are a security operations company and you're parting, partnering with MSPs, your basic processes should involve your MSP partner 
in the incident response process, right, which is recovery is an IT function. That's not a, that's not a, a security function, right? Um, remediation, to some extent, is an IT function, right? You're taking the server offline, whatever you're doing. And I think the more we can educate our MSP um, audience that they are definitely part of this process, they then can speak to their customers and say, wait a minute, Mr. Customer, not only am I bringing you my great service, I'm now bringing in a world-class partner behind me, and I'm still part of that process. They work for me. Um, thoughts, Kevin? Yeah. You're, you're doing no, you do that all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's advocacy and oversight. So, you know, the security team helps the IT team plug gaps, reduce risk. It's just a, it's an advisory board for them. That's how partners should look. Uh, that's how IT companies should look at them. It's just helping the overall bigger picture of a better IT hygiene for a client. And Vince, do you, from your tools perspective, do you help the MSP when they need some advice, some expertise? Yeah, you know, our focus, and again, this is like, you know, just as we heard from Robert earlier, like, this is a personal passion of mine, kind of starting this company with this idea that, you know, probably 1% of the companies out there have the ability to do cybersecurity today, and the other 99% are left high and dry. And so our, our mindset here is how do we empower MSPs to deliver capability at a price point that actually works for them? And so, you know, our price points get very low to provide some basic security capability because I don't think you need to overthink it. Um, the ability to provide basic security protection for any company should not be out of reach for most companies, right? And so and from that mantra, from that perspective of the market, you know, as we work with MSPs, we have no desire to be an MSP. We no, have no desire to be in their business because, you know, they're doing it, they have their relationships. Um, so I think going back is, you know, picking a partner, you really need to look at what is the business model of the company you're working with and how are they incentivized to behave in that relationship, right? And, and people, and for most reasons, and granted, if you take emotion and it gets all crazy, but for most, in most situations, people behave as they're incentivized to behave. So if you're working with an MSP that also does full IT services for other companies, there's some incentive there, right? And if you're working with somebody that says, I'm only focused on the channel or I'm only delivering this capability, the incentives may be different. So really pay attention to that. Yeah, and, and an additional point is if you're an IT engineering company and you just doubled your monthly spend or tripled your monthly spend by adding security to it, when at the end of the year when companies look at uh, expenditures, you're just a big one big number as opposed to a security firm and an IT firm. So. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 stick, it's stickier. Well, I think as, a, as an MSP, what I've seen in the market is that all MSPs should be doing some kind of cybersecurity. If they're not, their customers are going to go find somebody that's going to do it for them. So really it becomes to some point, whether you partner or do it yourself, you are protecting your customer base. Obviously, if you're going to do it yourself, you're also expanding your wallet share, but you know, the protecting of the customer base is incredibly important, especially in this, doing it, new normal. Um, so having said that, I think we're a bit, a bit over. We wanted to allow some questions. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today and your expertise. Um, I know we're going to be doing more of these in the future, uh, helping our MSP partners move forward, get into the security world, deliver security for the best bank for the security buck. 
Uh, what we didn't test, uh, touch on today was a bit of the compliance stuff, um, CMMC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We could probably go into that a little more in detail in the next one. But again, thank you very much. And Miles, back to you. Thanks, Mark, and uh, thanks to the to the panel. That was great. Here's my virtual applause, which is physical <laughs> applause. Nice job, everybody. That was awesome. Um, we actually do have uh, a couple of comments in the uh, in the Q and A area that I just wanted to, to bring up and maybe toss them out to the panel as well. So I think we addressed this a little bit, but maybe just kind of lean in. So if I'm sitting there, what's the most important thing I need to think about in my strategy right now as an MSP considering security? If is it Go take care of those fundamentals. Make sure that the basics are turned on in my, you know, the things that I'm already paying for. Is it, you know, looking at, excuse me, looking at it from a, a lens of, of risk reward, you know, and, and, and risk management and all of that. What is like the one thing that, that somebody would be like, okay, I'm going to go and, and try to put this into my everyday thinking about security. Maybe I'll do a round robin. Let's start with, uh, Mark, you start. <laughs> you saw that. I was about to start. Um, so, yes, I think, listen, put your own house in order before you go off and try and do something else for somebody else, right? In theory, if you're going to go deliver security, you should be above reproach on the security world. Um, that having been said, once that is in place, I think you take the fundamentals and you move into delivering security in a phased approach. Maybe in the short term, you partner for some things. Maybe you're doing the, the um, edge IPS uh, um, alerting situational awareness. Maybe you're, maybe you're rolling with Vince's technology and you're just doing situational awareness and you're partnering to do other things. But step into it slowly and don't take on more than you can because once your customer gets breached, there's a problem. Sure. Uh, Robert? <laughs> Uh, you guys always pin me down with this one thing question, and it's just really, really. <laughs> At least really... I only asked you one question. <laughs> yes, understood. Um, I have a problem with the one thing because you know it's just. Uh, you, you guys have heard me right. Ninety-nine percent secure is a hundred percent unsecure, and as an MSP, you got to think that someone's livelihood is depending on you to defend them, to protect them, to protect their business and their employees and, and, and extension of them. So, you know, I've been on the road a lot the last few years and, and we built these 21 blocks, which is kind of like what we call the fundamental blocks. And if you trace that, yeah, it goes back to NIST and it goes back to CMMC, and, but it was intended to be simple um, in the context of the basic things you should be doing. Now, we say the one thing, but on some level, I think everyone's aware of the importance of 2FA. Everyone's aware of the importance of scrubbing spam in the cloud because email still, you know, 99% of all risk is introduced via email coming into the, into the business. So there's a lot of stuff that MSPs are already good at that you just need to acknowledge, okay, I'm covering all of these aspects and here are my gaps. Um, so if I had to say the one thing and take down on this, <laughs> defend your endpoint. Your endpoint is 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 uh, one of your most vulnerable, especially now. And I also don't like the term new normal. I'm, I know I'm getting opinionated, <laughs> but you know life's going to evolve. There's all tomorrow is going to be a new normal. So let's Absolutely. just acknowledge that there's a natural evolution to things. There's a natural progression. 
and hey, we're in happen to be in a phase of tremendous growth and, and adapting. So my one thing, defend the endpoint. Very nice. You know what? I'm I'm gonna actually uh shift a little. I'm sorry, Robert, I pinned you down on the one thing, now I'm gonna change my <laughs> So another one came in here um, was a, uh, around RMM tools. And, um, oh, shit, I'm trying to, oh, I can't scroll up. How come I can't scroll up? There it is. Um, and just in regards to the, the, the level of monitoring and the capability of RMM tools, is it, the, the question is, do, do MS, are MSPs comfortable with that? Or are you seeing this? And maybe, Kevin, you can um, address this a little first. But how, where do you stand on, on kind of what is, is there a, a need for an additional monitoring services or something beyond what an RMM is serving us for? Yeah, so I think these days um, MSPs or IT firms are even in worse stances with RMM and PSA solutions as the, those are getting um, targeted. So, yes, uh, additional services and solutions need to be layered on top in order to secure you as your business as well as your clients. So, um, but, yes, companies should be concerned. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely seen that. Um, all right. I appreciate that. There's a couple extra questions that, that had come in from everybody. So, um, again, thanks to the um, – to the panel, uh, Mike, if you could uh, just go ahead and drop the slides back in. I got just a couple of things to to send us off. Um, but this was a lot of great information, and I appreciate that. Let's see, uh oh, no, I don't get slides anymore, Mike. <laughs> That's all right. I'll start talking to it anyway. Um, so. A couple of things coming up, of course. We mentioned ChannelCon. Uh, we said that is the, the first week of August, so please do attend that. Um, other events coming up, the managed services community is going to have um, – it hasn't been announced yet, but it's coming out uh, – but July 22nd. That's going to squeeze that one in right before ChannelCon as well. So um, if you're interested in what's going on in the managed services community as well, come on and join. We're going to have a lot of different breakout groups and stuff like that, so that will be a lot of fun as well. Um, we have uh, the new podcast series, BizTech Podcast with uh, CompTIA. That is launched, and that's all communities. So you're going to get a nice uh, variety of voices with that, with that podcast series. So definitely check that out. If you want to get more involved with the community, there are lots of fun things you can do. Um, go ahead and jump in the mobile app. Uh, there's a forums there. You are welcome to start conversations. Um, I'm awful lonely in there right now, so come on in and talk to me. <laughs> but it would be great to, to go ahead and do that. We, oft, we often have uh, little short polls and things in there as well just to kind of get some quick data points uh, to help with research and things like that. And then the last thing I wanted to bring attention to is the launch of the CompTIA ISO, and that is the Information Sharing and Analysis Organization. Uh, really excited about that. The security community is going to kind of help champion and support uh, this, but all managed service providers, uh, IT service provider, whatever you're doing out there, um, you're invited to participate into the ISAO, um, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, you're, it's threat information sharing, reporting analysis. Uh, we're looking for great ways to um, break that down a little bit and, and give you the information you need so you everybody can understand a threat feed could just be overwhelming. So that's where the analysis part comes in, and, and we're really going to help you kind of understand what's coming at you. So that's really exciting. Stay tuned for more news about that, actually. We're going to have some uh, podcasts and things uh, with MJ Shore, who's heading up that initiative for CompTIA. So um, that's what we got. Thank you, everybody. Um, I'm going to hang out. 
you are all welcome to. It is the top of the hour. If you all have to get back to work, I understand, but you're certainly welcome. You know, we'll keep the, the mics open for a little while here and, um, you know, feel free to hang out and, and ask some questions, whatever you'd like to do. But thank you. This is the uh, official close of the meeting anyway. So thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast. 